I just now listened back to those previous two episodes in which I, in a non-flippant way, laid out what I think, you know, which is not something I do, usually. Uh, and, I, you know, and as I was listening, I was thinking, wow, you know, that could end up 40,000 episodes. You know, and you could lay out a whole political sort of um, point of view eventually, you know. That's the sort of thing you'd start with. You know, those two episodes, and then you'd build on those things. Um, inevitably, I thought of a few other things that I could have said as I went, but I never bother worrying about that. You know, that's a given. You know, you're speaking off the top of the head. You're not writing an essay and then reading it out, are you? Um, but um, the White Australia policy jumped into my head. I've spoken about that before, and. I start to get a little bit sensitive to what the original founding bastards were on about um, with the White Australia policy and the people of you know, constitutional Australia um, because I waxed lyrical in that previous episode about our major advances in 888 and you know, eight hours of work, eight hours of leisure and eight hours of rare, uh, sleep. And, um, and also, you know, full political rights for women and minimum wages and wage conditions and uh, living conditions um, and fairness and all that sort of stuff. And unionism and all that sort of stuff, which was, part, you know, like a part of the fabric of the Australian culture back then. Um, and I start to think about all that. And that's from the left-leaning perspective. And I can imagine leftists. One day I'll have to go back and listen to the debates or read the debates that led to the White Australia policy. I don't think it was um, much to do with... Uh, well, it wasn't to do with anti-black sentiment. I know that much. Um, you know, it was anti-Chinese uh, sentiment, if anything. And we still got that, believe it or not. Amazingly, huh? Um, but, uh, you know, I started to think, and I've, I've, you know, I've listened to other people speak about this before, um, having non-Europeans come here at the start, at Federer, after Federation, uh, would have risked all that. Now, it would have been the right thing to do, to open the doors, as it is the right thing to do that now. You know, back then it would have been the right thing to do to not have a European-Australian policy, which is what it was. It wasn't quite a white Australia policy. It was a European-Australian policy. Um, it would have been the right thing to do to open the doors. You know, why shouldn't a Chinese person be allowed to come here? You know, putting the Indigenous people aside, of course, because they would vote no. Yeah. And they would vote no to us as well. But, you know, uh, if I was an Indigenous person, as I say, I wouldn't be happy about refugees coming here and all that sort of stuff. I wouldn't be happy with anyone coming here. Yeah, but that's a whole other story. I went to the Melbourne Uni uh, Museum once and um, and a local mob here, you know, they had a saying, come visit, you know, but then go home afterwards, you know, something like that. It's, it's, it's um, written in, in Indigenous language. On a sign in the Melbourne University, got a huge uh, Melbourne. What was that? Melbourne Museum. It's got a huge Indigenous section there. Uh, anyway, um, but I start to see, you know, 
it's, it's not black and white, you know. Um, if the, Australia had a unique moment in the history of the planet in which they were pushing ahead with these sorts of reforms and to open the borders would have smashed all of that. Now, at that moment in time, uh, you know, the founding bastards probably had a much better, uh, much more value-driven ideal in keeping the Chinese out. You know, it's going to bite us in the bum. You know, though we'll be punished for that eventually. We'll be punished for that. And, you know, bad luck. You know, I, you know I'm fully supportive of you, China, if you want to kick us for that one. You know, go for it. But anyway, having said that, um, and, and by the way, I am pessimistic about where we're going to end up out of coronavirus and the economic crash that's going to come probably and all that sort of stuff, especially if we don't find a vaccine. You know, um, to a certain extent, I'm fatalistic. You know, this is going to get messy. There's going to be hunger, even in a place like Australia. And all that sort of stuff, but I don't want to make it an episode about that. Um, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so where was I? Uh, yeah, so look, I started to think about all that stuff, you know, the dreams and the ideals, because it's a very strange thing, isn't it? Uh, because Australia, the very first couple of policies we made, one was the white Australia policy, and the other one was for political rights for women. You know, are we, abs are we utter bastards and utter wonderful people at the same time? It gets complicated. It's not that complicated. It's just the messiness of human existence, you know. Um, but a couple of other things that, you know, sprang to my mind as I was listening to my previous episodes in which I put forward my conservative view, you know, which was basically a view that um, suggests, you know, uh, conserve our political structure um, conserve the far left, conserve the far right in small portions, you know, because that will be uh, uh, proportional to the number of far lefts and far rights we've got in Australia, you know, issue, and conserve uh, the other sorts of left and the other sort of rights and the middles and all the others. Conserve it all. Conserve the socialists and all that sort of stuff. You know, in proportion to what you have in a population. You know, everyone needs to be catered for, even the bastards. You, know, you, you can try and stamp them out, but you'll just make them come back bigger. You know? So don't even try it. Um, you know, if you're right-leaning, would you like to smash the left, stamp out the left? If you do, you're going to get something much harder left to come back at you. Um, conserve and encourage the left because the left needs to be listened to too and if you are a leftist and you know you wouldn't mind you know just stamping out the rednecks as you might call them don't do that because they'll come back harder that's dumb that's all i'm not saying i like the hard left or the hard right i'm just saying it's dumb to try and stamp them out by force you know or cancel them or anything to a certain extent you got to live with bastards because you're a human. It's like if you were in a chimpanzee colony, uh, you have to live with the fact that, you know, some of the young chimpanzees you're growing up with as a young chimpanzee are going to grow up and actually um, tear you to pieces 
in a in a battle one day. Yeah. Your 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 cousins, you know, who you love, as a, in a chimpanzee way, are going to teeth, claws, oh claws, you know what I mean. They're going to scratch you and bite you to death and to actually rip you into pieces. You know, it's just part of human and chimpanzee existence. All right, and bonobo as well. All right, so there's that. Um, maybe the great apes. I don't know. Less so because they're less human, aren't they? Uh, what else sprang to mind as I was speaking the previous episodes? I, I didn't mention social media. And I really do like to mention social media uh, when I can, because that's a change. You know, because I'm, yeah, I've got this, uh, look, I, I'm very pessimistic about the way the, that, you know, our prospects coming out of this um, in the age of coronavirus and economic crashes that will come of that. And I'm very pessimistic about all that. But let's imagine we find a vaccine and we get back on track. All right. Um, uh, you know, I would like to get back to the tangent that I think we were on with Indigenous reconciliation. Um, and, uh, but um, there's, an, there's a wrecking ball in the room and it's called social media. I really think that that thing is a wrecking ball. And the reason for that, I think, it's a little bit like the media. It's profit-driven. It's not values-driven. Um, the, the structure, that is, the structure, the social media, the platforms, not what's being said on there, the actual structure. You know? um, and there's more of a profit to be made in dividing societies and getting them yeah, shouting at each other. There's more of a profit to be made in that, you know. So, uh, well, they need to turn a profit. So they encourage that in the very structure of the platforms, the software coding. Uh, now, I think that um, that needs to be looked into because we can't get back on track with um, what I think was a very positive tangent that we were on before social media came along, um, you know, with Indigenous reconciliation, for example, and other things, um, uh, with all our faults back then, of course. You know? um, but um, I don't think we can do it with social media the way it is because it's adding heat, and uh, this needs to be done a little bit calmer than that. Um, because, you know, you can't shout your way towards progress in a conservative way. Uh, so then I think that's an issue. And I, I think the heat needs to be taken out of social media. And I think the only way to do that is from a coding perspective. Um, I think there needs to, I think there, it's inevitable, in my opinion, there's going to be government intervention with respect to the very... The, I think governments around the world might take over social media and commandeer it like they commandeer factories during a war. I think that will happen eventually, and I don't think that will turn out nicely. They'll use it for their own evil ends. You see, that's the problem. I wish that it was... Oh, it'd be nice if the if governments around the world could be moderate in their reaction to the fact that social media has got out of hand because I think it has. And, and that they, and rather than just take over social media, that they instead 
um, intervened on, you know, put rules in place. Not about what is being said. See, that's the focus of social media moguls and stuff. We will moderate what people say. You know, but what I think it needs to be moderated is the very structure of social media, the software coding, to encourage more dialectic and less shouting and all that sort of stuff, and more healthy debate and critical thinking and all that sort of stuff. You can do that as a software person. Everyone's um, saying, oh, we'll reform, you know, um, but we still want, but they're, inside they're still thinking, yes, but we still want to turn a profit. The government needs to step in and say, we don't care so much about how much you're moderating um, what is being said on your platforms. We want you to alter the structure of your platforms so that you are not encouraging shouting and then trying to moderate that later. Yeah. So, you know, I didn't mention social media at all in the previous two episodes, but I think the heat needs to be dialed down on social media, but that can't be done by the people. It has to be done by the software coders, the owners, if you like. And if they don't do it, government, you know, someone like Donald Trump will just take over Twitter. He'll commandeer it. He'll own it. I think he's trying to own, he's trying to get Americans to, he's forcing China to sell TikTok. You know, uh, it go, you, you can read the tangent that this is all on. You know? you know, like, for example, you've got social media censoring an American president. In terms of what he says, yeah, um, and that's unsustainable. Even if you hate the guts of the American president, to have a private company pick and choose, even if you agree with what that private company is um, censoring, um, uh, even if you agree with that censoring, um, yeah, but. It's not about what is being said, no matter how bad it is. It's about, uh, it's about um, whether you find that not dangerous. Private citizens having power over the president of America. It turns the constitution on its head a little bit in a slightly dangerous way. Hey, you know, you might be into revolution and the people controlling everything, but hey, have you watched... Uh, the performance of people on social media. You care for what you wish for. But um, even if Donald Trump says the worst thing in the world, he is the president. And um, and if, if, if you're okay with private companies creating laws that have... That, have jurisdiction over the president of America. Is that not laws that sit above the laws of America? Now, people often stumble here. I think countries often stumble because all the people agree with what's being censored. But the thing to think about is the fact it's being censored. That's the issue. Yeah, you can say the worst possible thing, uh, but you need to be worried, I think, about the fact that he can be censored. Yeah, that's far more dangerous than anything bad he might say. Um, short of a war, declaring war on Twitter, you know, but look, you know what I'm getting at. 
And because when your guy gets in, you know, you might have a Rupert Murdoch might buy Twitter and then censor Joe Biden, not allow him to say things that uh, break the laws of Rupert Murdoch, the boy from Melbourne. Careful what you wish for. You know, all that stuff. I doubt that there's anything else I can say, except, you know, of course, I could say a lot more. <laughs> I could go on for hours like this. You know it, you know. But, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll sit here for a second and see if I have another thought along all these lines. So social media. Um, you know, I forgot to talk about that, and it's always relevant these days. Yep, dial the heat down. Um, I, d I did mention in my episodes that I would like to conserve things as they are in Australian politics. Now, um, uh, that could easily uh, be misinterpreted, and I don't mind being misinterpreted. I'm not into being understood. You know? um, usually, I seek to be misunderstood, you know, um, but, you know, for the hell of it, I'll just mention that when I say I'd like to conserve Australia the way it is, I don't mean in terms of our policies and all that sort of thing. Yeah, I still want progress. Yeah. Via left and right politics and all the other politics, I still want progress. When I said I want to be a conservative, I mean conserve the system. Not what the system is deciding, but the system itself. It's a very big difference. Yeah, so I'd like to conserve the Australian system. I wouldn't want to go to an American system, for example. That would be awful. It's too much risk. You know? It's nothing to do with the monarchy. It's to do with the system. You know, As I think I mentioned, um, you know, we have a head of state that's only made one decision in 120 years of any note. And uh, because our head of state, who is essentially the Governor-General and not the Queen anyway, um, our head of state is not elected, which is brilliant. Um, because if he was elected or she was elected, um, she would have to promise things to get elected. And suddenly you've got a head of state actually trying to do things because he or she has to do things to stay elected. And anyway, he or she promised to do things anyway. An absolute disaster. Australia, pity the land that needs heroes. You know, like Donald Trump yeah, or Obama. Um, pity the land that needs heroes. We've got a much better system, I think. System. Yeah, leave it to the system to decide, to, decide, to decide how to get progress going, but conserve the system. That's the extent, the level upon which I'm a conservative. Conserve the system and then get the system to create progress, you know. Um, but uh, I love the fact that our head of state never does anything. You know, I think our head of state has done one thing in 120 years. And is that not the sign of a mature country? Um, the American head of state, he's, as I said, signing executive orders almost, and it comes across panic-like, you know, a constant state of crisis. 
in which he's forced to sign executive orders every 12 and a half minutes. This is not uh, something that I would like to go to here in Australia. It's a mess. Yeah, it's absolute disaster that, not that America's got Trump, but that it needed Trump. Um, that's the problem. Uh, and, uh, yeah, if we went to a republic, we could go to a, a sober style of republic, something like the Irish Republic. My mum always says that would be nice. Um, but I think there's a greater danger that we would end up with an American-style republic. Um, and with that, I'll just mention there's a few texts coming through. Even as I'm speaking, they come at the top of my screen as I'm talking. Um, and uh, and she, she's chatting about Donald Trump, actually, I can see. And, uh, and, and, and she's imagining what it would be like to have a Donald Trump here, I think. You know, I haven't read the texts properly because I'm talking and they're just flicking at the top of the screen so I sort of see them. So I'm multitasking here. I'm thinking about what she's saying up there but it's got nothing to do with what I'm talking about. Um, and uh, she's saying we need it. You know, if we had a Donald Trump here, what would that look like? You know, and uh, in my head, I'm thinking, well, the cabinet, you know, he'd get, there'd be a, uh, there'd be a leadership spill straight away anyway because we don't vote. For someone like Donald Trump here in Australia, we don't vote for a leader. Yeah, um, we vote for a party, and then the party decides who is the prime minister. So it's kind of a non-issue, really. We can't have a sort of Donald Trump kind of figure here in Australia. Thank goodness. Yeah. Um, in my opinion, um, yeah. I'll put the, put it this way: Donald Trump could get coronavirus tomorrow. Stop cheering, and um, and there'd be a kind of crisis, a constitutional crisis over there. But ScoMo, you know, our prime minister could get sick tomorrow. Stop cheering, you know, and nothing would happen now because we've got the Westminster system and all that sort of stuff. And um, the prime minister doesn't make decisions anyway. Uh, the cabinet votes on party room decisions. Um, so, you know, uh, ScoMo has never signed an executive order in his life and never will, I think. I'm not an expert on politics. Um, the party room votes on what should happen. No, the cabinet votes. You, know, you can't have a Trump here in Australia. This is why I wouldn't mind conserving our system. Uh, what would happen in that situation if ScoMo got coronavirus and got knocked out uh, for six weeks or six months or whatever? Um, and he's in ICU, I hope not, um, then the rest of the party, the cabinet just continues business as usual and keeps voting on things. Um, the only time the Prime Minister steps in if there's a tied vote on a party room decision, on a cabinet decision. That's the only time that ScoMo actually does anything. We've got a wonderful system in Australia where there's no single person that actually does anything. It's a lot more consensus-driven and all that sort of stuff. I could go on and on and on. You could vote Trump in as the Governor-General, which is another story, but then you can't. It's a wonderfully balanced system we have here in Australia because the Prime Minister chooses the Governor-General, isn't it? Yeah, well, you know, 
the government of the day does. Okay, so that's that too. It's all wrapped up. You can't have a Donald Trump uh, character uh, getting into the top job in Australia. You can only get hardened politicians, professional politicians coming through because they get weeded out in the process of, you know, the parties and all that sort of stuff. We don't get wild cards like Donald Trump in Australia. We don't get people like Kanye West actually having a shot at going for president. Yeah, because, um, you know, there's a guy with a, a clear mental illness um, and it's actually technically possible for him to get his hands on the briefcase. Say no more. Yeah, what a way to finish.